Okay, this morning we are taking our third and final step in our study of encouragement. We started with a definition of the word encouragement, and that is to put into a state of courage. And we are called to do that, one to another, to put into the state of courage. Scripture tells us to do it all the more as you see the day approaching. And it seems like the day is approaching. What do you think? We need this. We spent the last uh, five weeks or so looking at examples of the walk of encouragement. Old Testament examples. And found some very interesting things in those examples of, of how we are to encourage based on, on what others have done. And it wasn't meant in any way to exhaust the whole list, but uh, we've seen transitions in leadership from Moses to Joshua, and his job was to encourage Joshua. We've seen encouragement toward unbelievers. We've had unbelievers encouraging believers. We've uh, seen all kinds of different scenarios, and, and especially, I thought, interesting, the ones where the believers were so weak that they needed the government to encourage them. They needed pagan kings and things almost to, to tell them to serve. When is the coast clear and we're free to do this again? <laughs> they, they lived in very uh, interesting days, and I think we do too. In encouragement, we saw these examples, and, and we've learned, I hope, from some of these. Uh, in the New Testament, we are shown the walk, I mean the work, of encouragement. And that is where we are today. The work of encouragement. This is where we find our direction for our work. Encouragement is key. It's something that we must be doing. We must be putting each other into a state of courage. And so that's where I'm going to take you today. Since we are talking about ministry... We're going to see what encouragement has to do with that. So let's talk to the Lord first. Heavenly Father, we bow before you today. So thankful for the shower of your love upon us, your grace and your mercy. All that goodness that we've sung about today, we do bless your name. And now as we enter into our study of your word, you have given to that, as, uh, to, that to us as well. And we are so blessed to have it. May we be attentive to your word. May we be receptive. May we be already willing to do what you call us to do. Our hearts engaged and, and prepared and seeking eagerly your instruction that we might do that. For we know, Lord, you call us to things that are necessary, but they are things that uh, will ultimately bless us the most and build your church. So help us to understand today, this is an important part of our study. Work in our lives as we submit to you and sit at your feet and learn. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I want to ask you a question as we get started. When it comes to encouragement, and think as you answer this question, is there encouragement in Christ? Is there encouragement in Christ? Philippians begins with these words. Chapter 2, verse 1. 
Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there is any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. The statement Paul writes there is, if there is any encouragement. If there is. Now, humanly, in our day and age, when we use the word if, it suggests that maybe or maybe not. We think that way. That is not what the Greek text is saying. It is not if. It is sense. It's a statement of reality. It's not something for you to sit back and wonder. I wonder if it's true. Since there is encouragement in Christ. Now I will ask you again, a different time. Is there encouragement in Christ? There is. There is a reality in this statement. The kind of encouragement we read of here is that word in which he calls us alongside to himself. And as we walk alongside him, we find our strength, we find our support, we find our direction, we find our help in the time of need. Some of my favorite verses, when I reflect upon them, uh, one of them particularly comes from Isaiah 40, very near the end, and you'll see it on pictures and things, it says uh, about those who, uh, those who trust in the Lord or those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Where does that strength come from? It's his. It's his strength that we, we find. And walking alongside him is what this picture is speaking of here. See, he gives courage. That's what it's saying. There is encouragement in Christ. He's the one that gives us courage to do the things that we need to do. Perhaps it's best just to simply note how desperately we need that. I am not hesitant to, to acknowledge what the Bible describes me as. I read the words weak, helpless. I read the words hopeless. And I realize that uh, without Christ I have no strength. Before I knew Him, I was an enemy of God. Scripture tells me that. I believe it with all my heart. I know that's true. When you live in a time when you realize that that's who you are, that uh, there's no reason really to look forward at all to the future, no prospects that things would ever get any better, it's when this salvation is given to us, the essence of it, tells us exactly what we are and exactly what we need. We lacked mercy. He gave it to us. We lacked forgiveness. He gave it to us. We lacked peace with God. He gave it to us. We lacked strength. He gave it to us. Matter of fact, what do you have 
that he didn't give you. Scripture says, he has given to us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I am perfectly thrilled to declare that I am so needy, and he is the one who gives it all. I rest in that. I am a recipient. He is the giver. He is the giver. He is the giver. What is the source of encouragement then? Where does it come from? He gives it. That's why that statement in Philippians is is one that we must say with all certainty. There is encouragement in Christ. He is the source of our encouragement. This is what we found along the way, but I'll read it to you in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, verse number 5. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. That's why we went through our Old Testament study the last few weeks. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, Now may the God who gives perseverance, and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. We must understand this about encouragement. Before we ever talk about the work that we are called to do, we have to know its source. You do not manufacture encouragement in and of yourself. It is something given to you by God. He has given to us encouragement. He has given to us the ministry of encouragement. All we're doing is dispensing what we've been given. Understand? This is not something you're going to go home and think, wow, I'm going to try to dream up some way of being encouraging and and manufacture this and, and become an encouraging kind of person. Understand the source. It's from God. And it's from His Word. You already know that. I know that. You already know these things are true. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 6, there are two unchangeable things. Two unchangeable things. In the context, he's talking about God's purpose. God's purpose does not change. And in the context, he's talking about God's promises. And God's promises do not change. He says, based on these two promises, it's impossible for God to lie. Do you believe that? Absolutely so. And in that context, he goes on to say in Hebrews 6, verse 18, We who have taken hope, or taken refuge, would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. See, the encouragement we have is based on God and His Word. God and His Word. People wonder, what is the value of theology? People hesitate to get into theology. It sounds complicated. It is complicated. We've made it so. Pastors hesitate to speak about theology from the pulpit. But theology is a study of God. And we need to know Him, don't we? And we need to know His Word. We, we come to Him because we know what He's done for us. We need to know why. We need to know what it is. And we do a great disservice to people 
when we do not focus on Him. So that's why I start this way with you this morning. Encouragement is from God. It's about His work in our life. It's what He has done. It's who He is. And understanding that, we must keep our focus on Him when we study it and when we do it. Encouragement is from Him. So how many times have we used encouragement just simply as kind words to encourage somebody? We use that phrase often. Sometimes they don't feel good, so we think, now we should be encouraging. We use that phrase, and it's been fun, because some of you have tried to figure out how to say it without saying it. The end of a sermon, boy, that was an encouragement to me. You're weaving the words around just so you can say it in such a way that it sounds the right way to say something. (laughs) The true work uh, that we are involved in, and this is important so we know, Our work is related to the fact that believers are being shaped into the image of Christ. That's what you're to be doing. That's what I'm to be doing. We're to be edifying one another, building one another up, as we all become more like Him. Encouragement is key to that. To become like Him. That's your job to me. That's my job to you. To encourage one another to be like Christ. That's the work that God has set that we are to become. People need to know Him. And encouragement is simply coming alongside and showing them where they receive their strength. What does it produce? Well, we encourage each other to bring them to a knowledge of Christ, of course, uh, to put them into a more courageous spiritual walk. Several things are produced in the process that are kind of exciting. If you go back to Acts chapter 15, we have a wonderful example here in Acts chapter 15. For those who are working on their little iPads wondering where is he going to say, try verse 31 and just hold it right there. Acts chapter 15, the uh, progression of the new church as it's developing, the Gentiles are coming to know Christ as Savior, and that puzzled the Jewish believers. (laughs) Number one, they didn't think that was ever possible. And number two, they said, now that they are, what do we do with them? Do we hold them to the law? Uh, Are we supposed to hold them to the law? What, What do we... I mean, that was a a big issue. So they had a council. We call it the Jerusalem Council. They brought in all the spiritual bigwigs, you know, and all the leaders, the the disciples, now apostles, and and all them. They all gathered together in order to talk this through and say, now that the Gentiles are coming to know the Lord, what do we require of them? What do they do? Now imagine yourself being a Gentile, knowing that meeting is going on over in Jerusalem, and you're back in Galatia, or maybe you're also, you know, further from that, but you're waiting for the answer. What are we to do? Are we going to be included? Are we going to be excluded? Are there special ramifications? What, what is going to happen here? And they went through the whole process and they came to a conclusion that these folks were saved by grace. Well, it stunned them to even say it for the first time, I think. 
But then they started to realize, the same God who works in their heart is the God who works in my heart. And they came to that conclusion. It just it was powerful to them. And then they came to the conclusion, well, we can't lay the law on them. They're saved by grace. And so they, they said, now there are certain behaviors that they need to stay away from because Gentiles in their practices generally follow after these pagan concepts. So they warned them of those things and said not to do these things. But basically they sent a message back to those folks and they said, this is what we concluded. You're in. That's my paraphrase. You're one of us in Christ. Do you know what kind of joy that brought throughout the world for these people to hear such a message? This is their answer. It says in verse 31 right here, when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Of its encouragement. They were all encouraged. They were all encouraged to walk in a more spiritual way because they now know how to live a godly life. And people were reaffirming that and encouraging them. And verse 31 here, we see it. They read it. They rejoiced because of its encouragement. And right on the heels of that, verse 32, this man named Judas, and that's not Judas Iscariot, but another one, and Cyrus, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. I love that verse. You see? They took the time to encourage the brothers. Lengthy message. I know that's the one we hesitate with the words. But they were strengthening the brethren. That's encouragement. That's encouragement. Somebody who takes the time to do that, don't be slow in saying thank you to the Lord for somebody like that in your life. In Colossians 2, when Paul writes, he says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I had on your behalf, and for those who are Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. Paul says, I have struggled for you, with a great struggle, that you might be encouraged. There's a man who understood the cost of it. He struggled for other people, that they may know Christ. In the town of Philippi, Philip, or Paul and Silas were arrested and put into jail, and we put that always in our Sunday school lessons as we grow up about them being in jail through the night and they're singing and there's an earthquake and the doors open and they, they head out. The, you know the story, how that worked and, and such like that. But what was interesting is in Acts chapter 16 verse 40, when they went out of prison, they entered the house of Lydia and when they saw the brethren, now picture them, Paul and Silas had been beaten, that leaves Serious wounds. They'd been chained up. They'd been in prison. How do you normally greet somebody at the door that's been in that position? They come into your house. They've been beat up. They had a long night. Watch these words. When Paul and Silas came out of that prison, entered into the house of Lydia, they saw the brethren, and they encouraged them. 
You see him? Paul didn't go in there to be encouraged. He went to give them the courage to walk. And boy, could he do at that point, can't he? Paul had just suffered for his faith. So he went there to put them into a state of courage. That's the value of Paul's imprisonment. We see it over and over again. New set of believers out there. He's there to give them encouragement to stand up for Christ as well. In Acts chapter 11, verse 23, it says, When Barnabas arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. This is Barnabas. We, we finally bring him into our story here. The son of encouragement, they called him. Barnabas would go and see a new believer and his heart was triggered to, to work in their life that they stay true to the Lord. That was his ambition with every single one. I could almost imagine him coming in here. Stay true to the Lord, he'd say. He'd put them into a state of courage. In Titus chapter 2, verse 4, it speaks of the older ladies and their ministry, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. Easy job? I don't think so. It might be easier tomorrow, but not today, right? You think it's going to get easier to encourage young ladies to love their husbands and love their children? Put them into a state of courage to love their husbands and love their children. Wow, that brings a whole new light to it, doesn't it? We have a world that tells them now, think of yourself first. Older ladies, you've got an incredible ministry right there. Incredible ministry. Romans chapter 1 verse 12. Paul writes that he may be encouraged together with the Romans while among them. Encourage each of us by one another's faith. In other words, Paul says, I want to come in and I want to share my faith with you that you might be encouraged. And all the while you're going to be sharing your faith with me that I might be encouraged. He sees it as a, as a reciprocating ministry. As Paul gives it, he receives it. They walk by faith, he's encouraged. He walks by faith, they're encouraged. He's writing to the Romans. He hadn't even seen them yet. But he was anticipating that day when he walked in among them and found great encouragement as they shared faith with one another. In Acts chapter 14, verse 22, Paul had just been stoned. Now, you know the, the primary reason why they stoned people? It's to kill them. They thought he was dead. Hey, we're done. They all left. They went back into town. Paul got up and walked into town behind him. What's he going to do? Looks for the emergency room, right? No. This is what Paul, it says of Paul, Acts 14.22. He went in. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, is his testimony true? 
as he stands there and blood is dripping off his head from being struck by stones. You can see the welts developing on his skin. His arms, I, I don't even know how he could walk. But there he is standing before that. He walks before them and he starts to say, and this is what I mean by encouragement. Did he put the people of uh, Lystra into a state of courage that day? What would it have done to your heart? To see a man who had just been, as far as they know, slain for the faith. And he walks back in to tell you, this is what, it's, this is what it looks like. To encourage somebody. Would you call that a high price? All the way through I've been showing you something, haven't I? What has been spent that we might have encouragement? People like Paul and Silas and others who have been even to the point of martyred for their faith that we might be encouraged. People who have given up their time and their attention that we might be encouraged. Christ dying on a cross that we might have encouragement in Him. Do you think it's a valuable thing now? Yes. And why did I tell it to you in all this fashion? Because this is what we're called to do. It's not optional in the Christian walk. It's not some side thing we kind of throw along the way like a a rider on an insurance policy or whatever you want to call it. This is what we're called to do. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he told them in 1 Thessalonians 2.11, Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and employing each of you as a father would his own children, he goes on to tell them to do the same. We could probably go on for quite a while just looking at how the church did that. In the New Testament times, they did that. They considered that to be a vital ministry. They did that. They did that. They did that. But here's where the point comes around and says, now, you do it. You do it. This is our work, folks. This is our work. I'm going to show you four verses. You ready? You've got to go there. You've got to see it. First Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse number 11. First Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Paul writes so clearly. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as also, just as you also are doing. Encourage one another. Build up one another. That's what we call in the grammar of the sentence a present active imperative. Sounds technical. Present means right now. Active means do it. Imperative means it's a command, not an option. This is not a good suggestion. This is a command. Right now. When is it right now? It's right now. When is that going to cease? 
it really doesn't have a ceasing point as far as the concept is concerned. Because we're always in the present. And as we're in the present, we are to be doing what? Encouraging. Encouraging. I don't see any unless or except or any loopholes here that one of us can stand up and say, but that's not speaking to me. Did you find one? I didn't see one. Encourage one another and build one another up. That is what we're called to do. How often? Always. Always. I would put it this way. Therefore, keep on encouraging. Keep on encouraging. Keep on encouraging. Now, chapter 5, you're still there, verse 14. We urge you, brethren. By the way, that word urge there is also a word for encouragement. We're encouraging you, brethren, he says, that you do what? Admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Would it surprise you that all of those are present active imperatives? No. Those are all the same nature of command. Command. We are told to do this. Admonish. Says that word. You see it? Exhort, you might have the word. Admonish the unruly. That means we can't ignore them. Or would be nice to, maybe. That one's unruly. we got a special room for them. No. Admonish. Keep on admonishing the unruly. For that's also a work that we're called to do. Encourage the faint-hearted. Sometimes we'd rather say, Boy, if they'd only just straighten things out and get walking on their own. Make it much easier. They need help, folks. Who's going to put them into a state of courage? That's our job. You can see that command is clear. I don't see accepts. I don't see unless. I don't see any loopholes here either for us. He's talking to believers to encourage one another. Even though there are groups of us who are weak, faint-hearted, unruly, and needing patience. We're called to do it, right? Alright, try Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. That's not too far away from where you're at. You've got Second Thessalonians and Timothy and Titus there. But Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 13. The writer here says, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today. What is today called? Today. Okay, so this still works? Alright. As long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now that last phrase sounds like a very ominous statement, doesn't it? To be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We don't want that. What is the thing we're to be doing so it doesn't happen? Encouragement. We 
we are to encourage one another. Now, that is a present active imperative. Same thing. It's a command we're called to do all the time. And he even specified it. As long as it's still today, do it. So there's no loopholes here either, is there? We're called to encourage. Now, I set before you three commands. Nature of a command is pretty simple. Either you are doing it or you're not doing it. Either we're obedient or we are disobedient. That's the nature of a command. And since we are called, and here are three instances of encouraging one another. If you want to spend the rest of the day with me, I'll show you more. But I think you might be convinced at this point, this is a command for us to do. Right? Convinced? We're called to encourage. To put each other into a state of courage. Now, we're talking about being able to walk in a godly way. We're talking about being shaped into the image of Christ. We're talking about God and His character. God and His Word. Those are all spiritual things that we're called to build each other up in. Right? We're not sloppy with encouragement. We have a direct purpose for our encouragement. Our encouragement is so that that brother in Christ comes to look more like Christ. And that's work. That's work. And that's sacrifice. And sometimes that hurts. But that's what we're called to do. You say, okay, these are commands, I'm to do them. But I want to show you one more verse. Hebrews 10, verse 25. We actually started with this way back at the beginning, and I bring it back up now. Because this is significant. Hebrews 10:25 and spilling in or 24. Let's start with 24 and spill into 25. Let us consider how to stimulate one another onto love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's one thing different about this word encouragement. One thing different. It's not a command. It's like, Phew. that's good. No. It's what we call a participle. In other words, it is your character. It is your character. In encouraging one another, this is where it ought to be. Not that the pastor stands up and says, do it, because God says so. Command, do it, do it, do it, do it. I wish it were simply our character to do it. That these commands were just enforcing what we are. How often can we do things that we're told to do and it's not in our character? But how much more precious it is when it is our character. This is the picture that he set before us when he gets down to the end of it all. This is an active characteristic or description of the believer. He is continually encouraging, continually encouraging just by nature of who he is in Christ. This is what God has made us to be. 
encouragers. And we encourage one another, I hope, just because he's already encouraged us. And it has to spill out somewhere. (laughs) So we encourage. So we encourage. We encourage. Wouldn't it be great if it wasn't a matter that we're being driven by command, but by character? That's the final word on the subject. It's one who does it out of character. And this is where I ask you to start praying about your walk with the Lord. If you follow the Lord right now out of commands, because you're the one that has to be told this or that or this or that, this or that, and you spend all your time saying, well, this is a command, I've got to do this, this is a command, I've got to do that. You're very much like the toddler who all day long you got to tell him, don't do that, do this. Don't do that, do this. Don't do that, do this. Because it's not in his makeup. You know that. I've just spent half the week with a toddler. I could tell you a lot about toddlers right now. But I do know that there comes a difference between being told what to do and just doing it because you know that's what I do. If all we read in Scripture are commands telling us to be encouraging, that's a good start. That's what we're called to do. But when it starts to touch our character, folks, that's when it shows our heart. What kind of heart do you have today? Is it more like Christ? Then encouragement's coming from there. Because He's the source. I love the commands, but I want it to be woven into my character. I want that just to happen because I've become like him. I want that to be a description. But that's our work. That's what we need to be quite active in. Our times call for it. Our times call for it. Our church needs it. If we leave that part out of our ministry, where are we going to get it? Is the world going to stand back and say, hey, we're filled the gap? And encourage people on to good and godly things? I don't think so. If the church neglects this ministry, the whole thing falls apart in that sense. Because that's a ministry that the church is called to, and we, the church needs it. God's Word commands it, and I hope that it becomes our character. So now you know the full story of encouragement. It's a lot bigger than what we thought. But it's one that certainly, when we think it through and say, wow, what an important ministry, what a difficult ministry, what a vital ministry this is, that we realize that it can't be done without Christ. He is our source. Remember how Paul concluded his Philippian thought. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Heavenly Father, as a congregation, we come before you right now. We have spent some time studying this beautiful word, encouragement. And all the while, that's exactly the work you've been doing in our lives. As you walk alongside us day by day and moment by moment, you've been shaping us into the image of Christ. You have been giving us the courage to stand for what is true, what is right, what is edifying. But Lord, you didn't just 
focus your attention on us, that we might be like Christ alone, but that we might build up our brothers and sisters too. To be an encouragement to them. To walk alongside them that they might too, as we grow in Christ, they grow in Christ. And we start to reflect that oneness that Scripture talks about. This is so important to us, Lord. We may have neglected it in the past, but we can't do it now. We have seen these words and easily passed over them in Scripture, but it won't be the case in the future. For every time we see the word, I pray that we're stopped and think again what we are called to do. But much more than all this, Lord, may it start to change our character. May it not just be that we follow the commands, but that we are shaped more and more like our Savior in character and action. May it be that thing that describes us, children of encouragement. Do your work in our midst, Lord, for we need it. We want to be like you. We want to minister like you. We want to build one another up. That your name be praised among us. We long for that day when we shall see you and we shall be like you. Until then, Lord, we've got a lot of work to do. And we won't do that without you either. Teach us, Lord encouragement. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.